0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Headed to Cleveland right now. Going to actually text the game tomorrow. Be a little chilly in the afternoon, but headed out to Cleveland right now, which is going to be a nice little weekend trip.
0: That is awesome. Yeah. Very jealous of that sale. You know, it's one of the the pre-pandemic... Items that I think maybe gets overlooked at just how close Cleveland is. Um, I have been to Cleveland for many awesome sporting events. I went to the um, Eastern Conference Finals game, LeBron James' last game um, at the Q while in uh, while he was in Cleveland. Um, okay. Me and my dad have done multiple games uh, for Kansas City Royals that are obviously the same division, so they you know see each other pretty often. Um, I think it's one of the coolest ballparks in baseball, and maybe one of the less maybe like under talked about one. I think it's a very fun fan park.
1: Well, it's not only that. We actually enjoy just the city itself. It's very yeah. much like Buffalo. There's a lot to do. Uh, so we try to make a trip there a year. We try to plan it around a Yankees game. Um, it's, you know, it's happening now. Uh, we've gone to the Hard Rock. I'm sorry, the um, uh, the, Hall, the Rock and Roll Hall. Thing. Yep. Excuse me. And some other things. Saw you two there a few years ago during the summer. Same, went to wine in Buffalo that same year. But, um, you know, it's nice. I always say this, Nate. It's not just Cleveland. It is. People forget. Buffalo is such a one day drive or half day drive to so many great cities, right? You can go to Cleveland, Toronto, is you know, without with the border being open obviously. Toronto is an hour and a half. Cleveland three hours. Pittsburgh four hours. Mm-hmm. You can go to Boston what? Six, seven hours. Philly six, seven hours. New York City, same thing. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty amazing. So I think we're very special we're very fortunate here and even if you want to go a little farther to like an Indy or Cincy, you can do it in a day's drive and it's great.
0: So yeah.
1: I, I think that's a uh, that's something about living here. By the way, Sabers real quick I wanna say Yep. Yeah. Last night UPL allowing a goal in his first shot, it kind of, and then mm. he wins the game. So, kind of reminds me of uh, Sam Darnold gets pick six his first <laughs> ever pass in the NFL on Monday Night Football. Uh, hopefully, UPL's first three years will go better. But John Elway lined up under the guard, I believe, on his first ever snap in the NFL before realizing he had to move over to center. So
0: he'll be okay. He looked Sale. I thought at times really good. Obviously, the the end of that third period, that like last seven eight minutes, was a little bit of a frenzy. Two goals go off of uh, wrist of line and stick, but all in all, Sale. I watched that game yesterday. I had fun. I enjoyed watching it. And you know, if they end up losing that game, I mean, I'm probably in a different mood because they give up four goals, and then ultimately they would end up losing that game if they gave up that fifth. But like, I, I ended up watching that game, and I thought to myself, it's it's been fun over the last couple of weeks to watch guys like Tage Thompson, Casey Middlestat, Rasmus Asplund, and I know that's the line that has been playing really well. But to see some of these other young players, uh, roots the line in, continuing to have success in getting the puck in the back of the net, like they've been a fun team to watch um, and now that we're actually getting to see I think a lot of us for a long time sale with how they've you know performed poorly we've all been waiting to see the young guys and there just has been this refusal um, to really integrate some of these young guys to get them in the experience they need and now that they've sort of been forced to um, I think we're enjoying games way more even though they're out of the playoffs we're getting to see the fruits of draft picks and guys that we've talked about for a few years that we're actually starting to see have success it's been I, I think it's been really rewarding
1: yeah, I mean that looks like that first round pick they made him a few years ago, right? I mean, finally he's showing that, which is great. And, you know, I mean, I just I love seeing that uh, him playing and developing. You know, the way he has it just seemed like it really wasn't going very well for a while, but finally it is. And on top of that, zero point zero golf handicap. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, that's are you kidding me. Like I'd be. That's pretty. Where do you know, find the time? I, know, you I like to golf. You're it's incredible. So, right. But a lot of times, I'll tell you, we have played. You and I both played with those hockey players. A lot of them, they're really good and. Have good swings. You know, I played with Marty. He's a good golfer. You know, I know uh, Craig Ravet. He plays He's a great, so, you know, whoever it is, so, name a hockey player. Usually a Pretty good golfer. So
0: anyway, anyway, I know you want to talk draft. Yeah, and you and I uh, were part of the mock draft yesterday that was uh, live on the afternoon show with Bulldog and and Joe. We had a lot of fun, and I thought the exercise really revealed uh, a couple of really interesting facets or maybe really interesting uh, developments or ways the Bills can go at 30. And I think what ultimately our exercise proved is I think the Bills are maybe in a position more than I even maybe considered prior to that mock draft Uh, being a candidate to move up or move down. And I wonder, you know, we watched... You know, we got through the first 20 picks without that defensive end, uh, the edge player being drafted, and then from 20 to 28 um, we saw really all of the good edge players kind of come off the board, and and of course it's a mock exercise, we're not really saying that's exactly how the board's going to fall but I thought it was interesting to me, Sale, that the Bills at 30, really probably the way that our board worked out it felt like the real, the good move would have been to move back, or at some point at 24, 25, to maybe try to move up. Where do you stand in the move up, move down argument? We know that Brandon Bean has mostly been in the camp of trying to move up to, to to go get a guy that he's identified if they are looking at edge which I, I think all signs point to it's at least in consideration do you believe that moving up a couple of spots to get a guy that, that maybe you think is the best fit for your team and for your defense makes sense? Or, or do you believe the Bills, with what they've got, maybe moving back makes sense? I just, say, well, for me, the big thing about moving up or moving down, I don't think they need a lot of pieces. Um, so moving back would, would you know allow you to maybe get a couple extra pieces in this draft. I think you got to try to get as many good players in this draft as you can because I just don't think there's going to be room for fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks.
1: So every... Kind of mock draft that I've done, this has happened. And that's, that's the thing. I
0: tweeted yesterday a list of players,
1: basically, that you know, are gone every time I've done some of these mocks with people around the country. These are not just you know, me and you and, and the mock we did last night, people in Buffalo. These are people who represent the teams, media members, the organizations, you know, who they're picking for. So they're kind of more plugged in, obviously, and where they think that team might go. And every time I've done some of these mocks, the same basic about 24 players are just gone off the board, and really it leaves you with, ooh, if a few of these guys fall, that's great, but a lot of times they don't. And almost every time I just don't like the way the board falls for the Bills. Yeah. Don't like it. And as you know, and I've pointed out many times, teams rarely have more than like 20, 21 players with actual first-round grades. Now, the Bills aren't going to get a player most likely at 30 that they actually have a first-round grade on. So, so if you want to do that, you have to jump up to about 20. That's costly. I would prefer them to move down. I prefer them to move out. I know we're going to be waiting until about 11.30 for their pick, and if that happens, you know, they're going to trade out. But I think that's probably the better option. But, sure, if they see a guy falling, if they do the a first-round grade on it, gets to 21, 22, maybe even now suddenly you're like, okay, like we just can't pass up because we're not going to get a guy that has that first-round grade. And I just think that it's foolish to keep pigeonholing them into a position, which I think yesterday's exercise proved, Nate. People talk about positions way too much when it comes to drafting yep. It's players. You draft good players. You worry about the position later. The only way the position, to me, comes into play, it's not about need. It's what you don't need. You're not going to take a quarterback, right? I mean, I don't see them taking a safety. But if you – but almost almost every position is a need in some capacity. It doesn't have to be a starter to be a need.
0: Yeah, and I think that's maybe the best point about this, sale is, you know uh, – and I also think – the conversation maybe gets even more interesting when you consider some of the talk over the last couple of days about one of these quarterbacks that are in the sort of the back end uh, can maybe considered in the second or third round day two picks and the three guys I'm really thinking of is Stanford's David Mills, uh, Florida's Kyle Trask, and uh, A&M's uh, Kellen Mond. If 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 a team like and, and a team like Washington makes a lot of sense here, maybe New England, right? And and maybe do you do you consider a trade with New England if they're calling you to try to get back at the end of the First round to maybe secure one of those those second tier quarterbacks, and maybe there's your option sale to kind of move back. Um, but I I agree with you with you heard the Bills. You mean I, I would not
1: entertain that for New England. If you do not you do not let a team in your division come up to get a quarterback.
0: So I think. I think I totally agree with you, and I, I, I before we keep talking about the draft, it actually makes me want to ask you about the trade that happened yesterday. Because I totally agree with you that you don't take an in-division, uh, and you don't want to give uh, a division rival, especially the New England Patriots, a chance to get the quarterback that they want for the future. Uh, what was your thoughts when you saw that trade happen yesterday? I, I for Personally... The value that was exchanged, I thought Kansas City won it. Um, they ended up with a player and a second-round pick, and you know I, the the Ravens end up with an end of the first-round draft pick, which is basically a second-rounder. So I did not love the value that the Ravens got in return. I thought that they got a little taken advantage of. But even if even if you throw the value out sale, the Chiefs are your like. They're the one team standing in the way for the Ravens. You could argue the Bills are too, but like the team you have to beat and get over the hump, the team that has done it is the Kansas City Chiefs, and you just help them get better at a position they really needed. I just that doesn't make a world. I would apply the same principle you just applied with not trading with the Patriots to that trade. If you're the Ravens, I just I hate that trade for the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I I understand where you're coming from. It's not like it's the Jaguars trade. Right? Yeah, it's the team that is a team that you you think you're close to, and you're trying to get over. I think what made this trade though, what what really ultimately kind of had to push it over for the Ravens is the money. and you're right, I agree with you the value of the Orlando Brown to the Chiefs, what they traded, what they got back, they completely won the trade. but let's remember, they're gonna have to pay him.
0: yeah, they're that's right yeah, a that's a lot right. of
1: money okay and and that makes it where okay, hey, I'm yeah, I'm giving you all this or you're giving me this or whatever, but the Ravens just didn't want to pay him. What is the reason for that? i I, I do wonder, like do the Ravens feel, He's not as good as what his, you know, status is. I'm not sure, like, because there, there's, there was kind of like a contract impasse, if you will. There was talk of, you know, our, they, they wouldn't be able to trade him. I mean, i pay him. They weren't going to. I don't know. I mean, he's a player that's only been in the league a few years. It just seems to me that maybe there's more info there from the Ravens' side of why they'd be willing to do this, and then the Chiefs have to pay him, and they already paid Patrick Mahomes. This is, this is something that they're going to have to invest in, which really hurts them. You know, around the roster, so but I agree with you as far as the player. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I wouldn't, I would not allow a team in my division to trade up for the quarterback. Conference, you know, yeah. If the Raiders feel like you know there's some sure. rough things about them, yeah, I'm okay with the Bills doing it. But I think your point is right about the about Baltimore. The other thing with Baltimore is we know that they're a good organization drafting. Eric has done a great job since Odie Newsom left. I mean, they've always been very good at drafting. You know, and I think they feel that these are premium draft picks that they can turn into the next Orlando Brown or whatever position they take.
0: Yeah, and and frankly, Sale, they'll have opportunities at 31 to to snag a starting tackle. And I think the whole conversation about Brown really wanting to be on the left side, and obviously they have Ronnie Staley, they have no interest in in moving Staley. So I think that the impasse ultimately came from, this is a guy that wants to play in a position that we're not really willing to move him to full-time, and he wants to make the money that's going to be associated with that position. The thing with the Chiefs, Sale, is... They go out and they pay $80 million to Joe Tooney. They go out last year and they re-sign Chris Jones to a big deal. They just signed Patrick Mahomes to the record deal that they just signed him to. And you start to want, and they've got Travis Kelsey under a pretty big contract. they got Tyreek Hill under a pretty big contract. And we know they were willing to, to pay Trent Williams a hundred plus million dollars, and I guess I'm just wondering, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. is likely going to be in that conversation, the eighty to ninety million dollar conversation for a starting left tackle, and you don't trade a first round pick unless you've got plans to do that. So I wonder, Sal, like, where, when does the well kind of dry up for them? It just Like with the bills and being up against it, I mean they're paying two guys, three guys that kind of money. Uh, The the Chiefs are paying six guys that kind of money. It just seems like eventually those hundred million dollar contracts have to come back to bite them in the butt at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean it will, but I mean I think their what their philosophy is. A, yes, they're paying Patrick Mahomes a ton of money. We know that he also isn't making as much as maybe um, people thought he would make or could make because they, they basically spread that deal out for 10 years, right? And then they actually even restructured to kind of free up even more cash space this year, but, you know, gave him a little yeah. more flexibility. But he's still making a ton of money. And if you look at their roster, what it is, it's a super top-heavy with salaries. There's no middle class. They have yeah. a lot of cheap labor at the bottom. At some point, the Bills are going to have even Brandon Bean said that, and, you know, said, like, yeah, of course, these guys are making a lot of money, but cheap labor has to go up the net what the Chiefs' philosophy and plan is here. It was. They saw Patrick Mahomes get injured a bit at the end of the season last year. They felt it really hurt them. They can't have that happen to their superstar quarterback. They can't have that cost them multiple Super Bowls maybe mm-hmm. and a Super Bowl appearances. So they said, no matter what, we just have to fix this offensive line. And they've done a great job of that. How they fit it into their salary cap, I don't know. But hey, if I have to sacrifice around the roster to make sure Patrick Mahomes is healthy and can do his thing, then I'm going to do it. That's
0: their philosophy. All right, Sal, so last two things I want to talk to you about is kind of going back to our mock draft yesterday. Zavin Collins on the board at 30 when all four of us picked. No one uh, pulled the trigger on Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. Talk to me a little bit, because uh, I, when we talked about it live on the on air yesterday during the draft, I really loved a lot of your points. Um, I share the same thought process of why, even if he is the best available player on the, on the board, I you either move back or you, or you, you move to the next guy. I just... I don't believe the idea that, you know, the Bills want to be a team that plays more 4-3 looks, more base looks. Their base defense is nickel, and as much as maybe – people keep bringing up Lorenzo Alexander when talking about Zavin Collins. And I, I, I don't know. I, I'll let you kind of explain your, your thought process because I thought you explained it really elegantly yesterday. But I, I don't know. I, I don't get a lot of the – I, lo- I get the love for the player. I do not see any of the fit.
1: So this goes back to the philosophy of what I just said a little while ago, which is it's not about need. It's about what you don't need. Right. So let's say you're on the board at 30. Evan Collins is – he is your highest-rated player. And I mean, unless he's like super high-rated at 10, I mean, you're going to do that just because you can't pass up that kind of value. But let's say he's your highest-rated player. And, you know, you have a a little bit of a gap for the next guy. You have you just ask yourself one question. Okay, he's our highest-rated guy. We believe in taking the highest-rated player. But are we completely set at this, this position? I think this is where it comes in, where people would have a debate, which is, I would say, yes, they are. Because they have met Milano, they just paid. He's not going anywhere. They have Tremaine Edmonds, who I believe they're going to pay. He's 22 years old, turning 23 in a week or so. And eventually, I, I, think, I think their plan is to have these two guys going forward. And then you get to, well, you could still have a third linebacker. No, no, no. The Bills play nickel defense. That's what they do. They're one of the most heavy nickel defense teams in the entire league. And even if you think about the changes that, the New England Patriots made with two tight ends are going to run. And maybe Kyle Pitts goes to the Miami Dolphins. They're going to run more two tight ends. And playing Baltimore, they did play 4-3 against Baltimore in the playoffs because of they weren't threatened by their passing game, right? That's why. They don't play enough. And even Lorenzo Alexander, as good as he was, that's great. It wasn't like Lorenzo was on the field for 75% yep. of the snaps. really, I don't believe, you know, at least the last couple of years. You know, so I just think that I wonder how, how is it really worth taking that player who knows your highest rated. Now, if your answer to the question is, are we set at the position? No, because I want to move on from Tremaine Edmonds, or do you think the Bills will? Then by all means, take yeah. Collins. I'm fine with that. I just don't think that's where the Bills are with that. So I think it, if they were to pick Collins, I do think that's an indication that they're willing to and ready to move on at, at some point, whether that's at the end of his fourth year or fifth year from Tremaine Edmonds. And probably more the fourth year, but I think that would be an indication. I just don't think they're ready to do that. I think they plan having Edmonds and Milano as their two linebackers and playing their nickel defense going forward.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm in total agreement with you on that one. And it's 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 a weird position because at two hundred and seventy pounds sale it's sort of, to me, it, he's trying to indicate, at that weight, gaining 20 pounds, I think you're trying to uh, appeal to teams that maybe th- view him as a 3-4 outside linebacker, as an edge rusher, not a traditional off-ball middle linebacker. And I think even if you think, hey, this is a guy that I want instead of Tremaine Edmonds. I want the Bills to move on from Tremaine Edmonds and make Zavin Collins their middle linebacker. I would think he comes in here and the first thing the Bills do is ask him to lose that 20 pounds. Because I just don't think you can functionally play middle linebacker in this league at 275 pounds, or 270 pounds, when you're going to be asked to go up against guys like Travis Kelsey. And I know know a lot of people like him because of his coverage skills, but 20 pounds is kind of a lot when you're talking about losing some of that freedom to get sideline to sideline. Now, if he's trying to be an outside linebacker in 3-4, I'm all about what he's done, but if he's if he's signifying that he's trying Bills to play off ball linebacker, I've got I've got questions about that. The Bills don't run that,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, right. There, yeah, are they going to suddenly change to a three four? They're not going to do that. I can't see that happening. They run a four three. Sean McDermott's always run that. Uh, him and Leslie Frazier together. That that's not what they do. I mean, if the Bills were to run a three four, then we're talking a lot of differences. You know, what that's do you right. do with Ed Oliver and Star? What do you do with you know? I think Tremaine actually would fit fine in a three four, but you have a lot of different things now with like Terry Hughes or whatever. So they're just not going to do that. I. Again, I'm not telling you. I like the player a lot. Me too. No doubt. Me too. I just don't see how, unless they actually are willing and able and thinking that eventually they might move on from Tremaine Edmonds over the next year or so, I don't see how they look at that and go, it just doesn't work for us. So they're not going to do that. But I, I'm open to any position almost. I just think that you have to remember, you know, when, we do the, when we do mock exercises, of course we're going to think about things teams need, because it just makes more sense to try and do the exercise but it really is about players it's not about positions and i think fans are too much especially at 30 thinking they do need this they don't need this i don't think it's about what you need i think it's about what you don't need yeah. and you really think about well you're set at every position but yeah starters you always need backups you always need good players but guess what a year from now the guy where you don't need as a starter right now becomes a starter anyway and he's still on your team for three more years on a rough contract
0: yeah, Sal. It's it is going to be a really interesting listen. I mean, as we come down to this, I think we're going to learn some more things as this week goes on about some of the teams and maybe where they're going to be going. But uh, appreciate you, man. Enjoy your 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 short little Cleveland trip. Enjoy the game, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be talking a lot next week for the draft. So looking forward to it, man. All right, you too. Thanks, man. Awesome. Sal Capaccio there on the Western Hotline. Lots uh, there on our mock draft yesterday. And, of course, if you missed that mock draft, you can go back on-demand audio and check it out there. I think Joe also has those results up on Twitter and and, uh, on WGR550.com.